welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. Hi, hello. I get to go first this week. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> Changing it up. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Well, that just... Uh, you ever feel like you're walking along and suddenly you stumble and there's nothing around you, but you just stumbled anyway? That's exactly how I felt when you did that to me, Kat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had your 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 introduction all lined up and everything's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, you must it up. You must it up. I had quick claw. That's why I got to move first, you know. <laughs> yeah. Aw, I have that on my fuego. loco. <laughs> and also joining us today, returning champion, beloved guest, it's Len Hafer. Hello, good morning. Good morning, morning. indeed. Yes, we are recording once again on Saturday morning with our Stars of Destiny. I'm just coming off the U.S. losing 3-1 to to the Netherlands. Feeling a little hungover, feeling a little sad, but that's okay. We will push through for the blood god. We're going to be talking about the year of tactics. Something that the USMNT definitely didn't have today. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. going to be talking <laughs> Triangle Strategy, Tactics Ogre Reborn, uh, Diofield Chronicles, and also maybe a little bit of Marvel's Midnight Suns question mark. Yes, we're going to be talking about all of that. And that's why we invited Len on to the pod. But before we get to that, if you enjoy the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review or a rating on the podcast of your choice. It definitely helps the pod, and also it brightens our day. You can follow up me on Twitter at the underscore catbot or on uh, Hive at Cat Bailey. Eric is at C Moosey. Nadia is at uh, Nadia Oxford. And Len, uh, where are you on the Twitters? Uh, it's Till Folkvong, T-I-L-F-O-L-K-V-A-N-G, at least as long as Twitter is still a thing. Um there's always that asterisk now, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I'm the, I I got the same username on all the other yeah, like same. lifeboat sites, so <laughs> Titanic <laughs> lifeboats. Exactly. Oh, no, they're sticking too. Uh, Len, uh, and Len is also the host of Three Moves Ahead, a very right. cool tactics podcast. Yes. I really wanted to go on the show about Marvel Snap. I was like, I am all ready to talk about Marvel <laughs> Snap. So I'm sorry I missed it. But I, I think that spiritually, Three Moves Ahead is much the same as Axe of the Blood God. Well, and, and Eric was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was on our Marvel on. Snap episode. So, oh, that was, I was on check many out. thousands of years ago. I, I was uh, just there yeah. to do the, the announcer voice. I was just there to every once in a while say, frame break or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It was basically a free soundboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And that, that's why we keep Eric around here. Uh, it's free soundboard. That's for sure. Shiny logo. Wow, that's really good, Eric. Damn. Yeah, I've been playing enough Snap. I got it down now. Look at you. Actually, it's, it reminded me of, of uh, what do you call it? The Sugar Rush game. That's just what it sounded like. Candy Kill Crush. Kilimanjaro. Wrong game. No, my bad. <laughs> we also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod, where you can support the podcast keep us all going it's your generous support that allows us to uh keep recording acts of the blood god and we're very grateful in return we have a lot of great bonus content uh this week we are going to be posting our pantheon of the blood god exploration of dragon quest 5 which uh the special guests this week are going to be jeremy Parrish and yes. one other special guest so 
uh, yeah, Retronauts fans, come on over. It's going to be like another episode of Retronauts. We're going to be diving deep to arguably, in my opinion, the best Dragon Quest and one of the best RPGs of all time. It's already in the top 25, but this is where we go. But really, what? why is it deserving to be in the top 25? Let's unpack all of this. So that's going to be that episode. We're also recording in front of our Stars of Destiny this morning. And this week we are joined by Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, Cal L, Mango Alts, Robo Riley, Ruka, Sardin, Shareable Texas, Supermoop, Teeps, The Blackstones, Vivi Complex, and Zubat Man. But now it's time to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God. And Len, you're a special guest. You've been playing Midnight Suns. Tell us all about it. Yeah, um, I've the reason I didn't get enough sleep last night was because <laughs> of Midnight Suns. Um, great mm-hmm. topic for the tactics episode because I definitely think it falls into that tactical RPG niche. Me too, um, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I really have been enjoying it. I got to play it back in, I want to say it was July at a preview event, and it was one of those preview events where like. They had to drag me away from the computer. I was like, no, <laughs> I need to make friends with Spider-Man. Um, just give me the build. Just give me the build. I got a USB yeah, exactly. drive. Yeah, I to, um, I'm just I'm going to I'm going to put it on a thumb drive and smuggle it out of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the, the Firaxis offices. I have to sneak past Sid Meier's uh, like he's, he's standing he's, there. He's patting everybody down crossed. as they're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> he's the last <laughs> boss. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's uh it's an interesting hybrid of sort of, you know, a tactical card battle game and then like a Bioware RPG layer where you hang mm, out with your friends mm, on the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the the characterization for a lot of these like Marvel characters, I really like the, you know, the interpretations of them for the most part. It is like a little bit Saturday morning cartoony sometimes. Uh, Jake Solomon even said that's kind of what they were going for, which has a little bit of a tonal clash with like the dark supernatural stuff. But overall, I've really been enjoying it. So going for the X-Men, X-Men 95 vibe, but also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. That's an interesting uh, combination right there. Yeah. It's it's weird because I know I've mentioned it on this pod before that my dream game would be a persona style RPG set in uh, Xavier's Mutant Academy where oh, you that'd do, be so good. Where, and and like the weird thing is Midnight Sun sounds incredibly close to what that is, where you've got this sort of go out on missions, then come back and, and do management stuff. And I, I've said it before, and I will clarify this on the pod. Uh, I don't like that. I can't make anybody smooch in this game. It's yeah. it's a problem. But I that can't being fall said, in love. I can't date Wolverine. Oh no. God, I know it's Wolverine, disappointing. That's that's too standard for me. Yeah. Like Ghost Riders, right there. And <laughs> well, and like uh, yeah, Dan from IGN pointed this out in his review that like it's 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 absurd that Tony Stark would not try to you know flirt with Hunter, especially if you're playing yeah. like female Hunter. Absolutely. But, uh, so. <laughs> To, to, to segment off, because that is like kind of what led me to to the thing that I do think actually matters. Like the smooching thing is, is kind of a joke. Like they have it, they don't have it. They go for Saturday morning cartoon vibe, whatever. But does it feel like it's you interacting with the characters or does it feel like the characters also interact with each other in this game? Because I do think that that 
like one layer is fun and interesting. You know, I get to hang out with these people, but I like in, in games, Bioware games and stuff like that, where they also show that the characters hang out and do stuff mm-hmm. completely independent of you. It gives it like this vibe of like everyone's living and hanging out together and stuff. Do they do that in Midnight Suns? Have you seen much of that yet? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like if you're just walking around the mansion, they'll be having their own little conversations and arguments. <sighs> mm. um, yeah. And, and the way that they like write them to play off of each other is is generally pretty, pretty on point for my, you know, my mental version of these characters. at least. <laughs> so yeah. this might be a surprise hit of the year for me then. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I got it for my Steam Deck. It seems unlikely to be on the Switch uh, anytime soon, if it appears at all. The Blackstones was wondering, do the microtransactions slash DLC interfere with Midnight Suns? I'm interested, but seeing all the DLC options kind of had me backing away. Do you have any thoughts or insight into this, Len? I have not bought any DLC, and I have not felt like, oh man, I'm really disadvantaged because I didn't buy any DLC. Um, obviously I'll want to get the season pass with the new characters eventually, but like, since there's, there's a limited amount of time to max out your friendship on each playthrough, I feel like I have more than enough, oh, you know, hmm. I have, I have more than enough friends to hang out with, uh, hmm. mm-hmm. for superhero buddies. Yeah. 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 So meanwhile, in Marvel snap, I had a game where I had like, squirrels and the brood and cosmo and the dinosaur mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. and ultron and i was like i'd read this comic this sounds like a great comic yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i love I when like... you get those little stories going on in your head about certain yeah. plays yeah i think you said it perfectly i think in a chat when you said it it's basically like fanfic like every yeah. game it's so cool yeah. um and also, Sardin says, am I being unfair in that I thought it was about the supernatural characters, and so I was a little annoyed that Wolverine and Spider-Man are there. Okay, so here's the thing. The the real stars of this game are like Nico and Magic. And they mm. put those on, They put the Avengers in there to get people to buy it, but it's, <laughs> it's the Midnight yeah. Suns who are the real, like, they're who the story is about, and also Wanda to some extent. But I, yeah. I do feel like Wolverine I get is kind of weird, but Spider-Man from my limited experience of knowing his comics uh, does tend to get just wrapped up in stuff that he did not expect to get wrapped up in pretty frequently. Um, Like, like Spider-Man just kind of stumbles into stuff all the time. And so I would like it if that's kind of the vibe with, with Peter this time around, I assume it's going to be Peter Parker. Spider-Man sold his marriage to the devil. He counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Spider-Man has canonically made Faustian bargains. Oh, he certainly has. My husband's still mad about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Strong feelings about it. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Len, uh, wild Dragonflight. I'm seeing this on your list as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm reviewing it, which is another reason I haven't gotten enough sleep this week. Uh, (laughs) MMO expansion (laughs) reviews are always, challenging mm-hmm. um yeah i'm liking it so far it feels like kind of a back to um back to basics is sort of how i would describe it expansion it's like a vanilla wow themed wow expansion mm-hmm. um clearly taking to heart like some of the positive reception they got from wow classic and noticing the things that people had liked that they sort of left behind over the years um you know, it's always impossible to say 
in the first month or even two or three months of a WoW expansion if it's going to be good for two years because there are, you know, I feel like the leveling experience is almost always one of the strongest parts of an expansion cycle. Um, so we'll have to see. It's it's like a weird thing to write a review about, you know, mm-hmm. because what people are going to remember are the year and a half after that. Right. Whether or not it is remembered as a good expansion or not. But I'm enjoying it so far. And this dragon, dragon it's like it's hard cool. to go wrong. Yeah, dragons are cool. Are there any expansions that started off badly, but then were rescued by later content? <sighs> it's usually the other way around, but I'm trying to think. Um... I know that the uh, the orc one was like very disliked and the alliance one was super disliked, which is yeah. too bad because I was like, oh, but. I love that they're getting like a big Warcraft two vibe. Like I miss Warcraft two. Yeah, ba- <laughs> Battle for Azeroth. Like the the first month of launch, I was really into it, and then it fell off. Shadowlands was kind of the same way, honestly. Um, fell off really quickly after launch. But yeah, I don't think there's one that has launched and people were like, "Oh, this sucks," and then they saved it with patches later. Um, yeah. There are some that stayed good, like Wrath of the Lich King, I feel like was just good throughout the entire expansion cycle. But that I remember people being down on Wrath of the Lich King. Now people are nostalgic for it. (laughs) I remember people being pretty good with Lich King. It was Mists of Pandera that seemed to they all everyone had a breakdown over that for some reason. Yeah. People were like more mixed on Cataclysm. People were more mixed on Cataclysm and then Uh they were really mixed on uh, Mists of Pandera. That's. And that's when WoW started kind of like going downhill a little bit, I think. But um, Nadia, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing this and that. Like, okay, I really, really, really want to play more Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And then I heard that the update happened. And I think it was Game Explainer. Someone was saying, hey, it's so much better now. And I went Mm. back to it and it's... I can't tell if it's better or worse, to be honest with mm. you, but it's still kind of choppy. I mean, it's playable. Same, same deal. Basically, I'm running it from the, the system's hardware, so it was never terrible, but it's also a matter of, like, I really like this game a lot, and I want it to run a little bit better before I get into it, so I'm kind of on the fence right now if it's really been improved enough for me to, to go back to. But in the meantime, I got Rogue Legacy 2 for the Switch, and I freaking love the first Rogue Legacy. Like, oh, I- yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I love mm-hmm. that game. It's um Cellador Games, right? Like they um they're the ones who made this, right? I'm not thinking of someone else. Uh but anyway, they are the ones who made this game I used to play a long, long time ago on I think it was Newgrounds called Don't Shit Your Pants and it was like it's <laughs> quote unquote a survival horror game and it was like a text based game where you had to prevent a guy from shitting his pants. And basically I love the original Rogue Legacy so much that I scoured the castles for every single hidden like gem about Cellador's past development history and i found the don't shit your pants room and i was like yeah i finished the game 100 <laughs> and i'm not someone who sits there and 100 games but i i just kind of did that and rogue legacy 2 so far is great thankfully it runs great on the switch and uh i'm really enjoying it it's very addictive it has that really uh, has a really good roguelite cycle that i like very much where you feel like you're advancing just enough to build yourself up while not being set back too far so mm-hmm. yeah if you're mm-hmm. into like platforming i think it's a a good get for sure and uh, so many cool classes too i like valkyrie 
I think that was the thing that always I, I got fairly deep into the first Rogue Legacy, but never finished it. And that's kind of what put me off of Rogue Legacy, too, is I love the systems. I love the generations. I love the the different like traits that your characters can have mm-hmm. that are good and or bad, depending. Um, that's very like classic Fallout in a way that I enjoy. But uh, it's the platforming that always just I had trouble with it. I never enjoyed it enough to want to keep going. Uh, and it always, I think that's why I just gelled more with stuff like Hades because Hades is just more directly like what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like extremely refined platforming. Rogue Legacy is very sloppy platforming, but that's the kind of platforming I like. So that's why I'm like, I just think it's, I just think it's tough platforming and it's, it's platforming that like frequently gets in the way of what I want to do, which is put Mm. my sword into the faces of enemies. That's Um, fair. Yeah. Whereas, whereas like Hades, the most I ever had to do was like dash over, some lava so i didn't step in the lava like that's about it so yeah don't step in the lava mm-hmm, mm-hmm. number Anyone? one game pro advice <laughs> yeah pro tip don't pro step tip. in the lava mm-hmm, shoot mm-hmm. the cyber demon until it dies look i'm licensed to give this kind of advice i worked for game pro i was there when it shut down mm-hmm. <laughs> so i can give pro tips um eric you've been playing a tons of pokemon yeah, so I was trying to how think. How are you dealing with this? How we, are you how are you enjoying this game? Let me take you on this ride down because the last time we podcasted was not even a week ago. It was like two weeks ago, right? And so at that time I was young baby Eric. I was going, Ooh, this new Pokemon. It's it's kinda interesting. It's got some ideas. It's doing some things. I, I kinda want to know where it's gone. Uh I have since cleared the post game. Uh, gotten at least one Pokemon up to level 100 because I had to do the seven star Charizard raid last night. So I nice. also learned what Eevee and Ivy training was and Eevee and Ivy trained a Grimmsnarl for the Charizard raid so that I could have perfect stats and I could be the support for our team uh, as my friend did the Azumarill DPS. This game uh, has me in its claws in a way that is kind of... I did not expect, but also... As I wrote my review, um, it's got a lot of problems. It's got a lot of problems that are really difficult to overlook, which sucks because I do think that the Paldea region, especially the story of this game and the end game story of this game. Oh, my God. The end game, like the final 90 minutes of the main plot of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is unreal like I think that's it what is. i want to push saying through. i'm like that's yeah. crazy what a pokemon oh, Cat, yeah. you need to you need to play this like what? i i'm not kidding you need to see what the end of this game is that's why i want to push through because basically <laughs> i want to do the story i love sun and moon story and i'm like i am full support pokemon story you will not see me disparaging pokemon story ever okay. it is every time people are like oh what are you talking about what is it i'm like you just need to if you are a pokemon fan and you want to see something so unlike other Pokemon games you've played just come out of nowhere. That is what the last 90 minutes of this game is. You well, just have to like do Kirby where it goes all like Lovecrafty and horror. No, no, okay. I, I, I'm literally just I'm trying to tell you you need to play this without telling you why you need to play this because okay. I do think that the surprise is part of the fun. I want, yeah, that's the thing. I want to play it. Before um, spoilers get me. But uh, that being said, like, like that to the side. Um, I will also say that like the end game being so good also has made me retroactively be like, 
the Paldea region is really cool conceptually. Uh, I love the lore of it. There's so much deep lore you can get into. There's so much stuff you can do this game that that yeah. it doesn't tell you you can do. Like you can go back to the school and take classes and do social links with the professors Ew, and and like level the school. and you can also hey look Persona Five let you do it with the doctor and and the yeah. the teacher who's also your maid and all that. Like <laughs> <It> sure did. <laughs> we jumped the shark on this already. But you can go do social links with your friends, too, in the post game. And there's so much little stuff in this game that is really cool. And the world of Paldea has so much interesting lore, especially once you get to the post game. And yet the actual getting there is not great. And Mm. and obviously there are technical problems that we've talked about. I've had hard crashes in multiplayer. I've clip through walls i've seen pokemon get stuck inside geometry yes, like i was in a certain great. area the other day and i saw one of those big minecraft looking dudes just inside a wall like trying to get out it was very like he's explode <laughs> like a creeper then they be, told me there the was a cask of beautiful amontillado back here and i just can't <laughs> <grab> anything <laughs> yeah um and i'm just sitting here like this there is something here and and also, I, I want to emphasize this because I was watching a friend play through the end game last night. We were talking about this. I still don't think Game Freaks figured out 3D. And I don't just mean that in a technical sense. I mean this in like p- the Paldea region feels like it's designed as a 2D level that's been put into 3D. Mm. It doesn't have this like depth of design that you think about like like i used to okay here's a really nerdy fact about me like my my dad played a lot of quake when i was growing up i played a lot of quake when i was growing up so i've read design blogs from people who have made first person shooter maps and and stuff like that and there's a lot of talk about how all sight lines verticality different like ways in which you move around a 3d space and paldea just kind of feels like a 2d pokemon map that got turned into a 3d pokemon map mm-hmm, and it doesn't right, have right. like it doesn't feel like it was made for 3d if that makes sense and put a pin in that because i do think the end of this game starts to actually embrace 3d in a way that's really cool but it, it all of this is to say i think this game could be really interesting could have been really interesting if it had more time more runway uh more development help because good lord the technical problems and we'll get to this in random encounters they've said that they're going to fix it they're going to work on it they're going to tune it i don't know how much you can feasibly do with what they've got i'm going to be interested to see what they come out with but despite all of that despite my problems i'm still playing the heck out of this game because it's just a good pokemon time it really is like underneath it all a good pokemon game like i'm having more fun with the bones of this than i did with sword and shield and that's, so that's funny wild to me so i'm so completely the opposite i uh i was like pretty high on uh scarlet and violet when i was first checking it out last uh the last time we convened and now i'm like i'm out don't don't like i i don't like the open world exploration the world is very disorienting to me it's very ugly one of the ugliest Pokemon games mm. I've ever played. I hate being trapped in shorts. Yeah. I miss the character customization. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels it feels really rough. It's too too rough, too ramshackle. Like it feels like a technical alpha, and uh, frankly, I can't deal. I can't. And 
I like Pokemon for the for the battling. I, I almost cursed there. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I like Pokemon for the battling. Uh, playing against people. I'm not here for raids. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. here yeah. for the MMO stuff. Yeah. The, the raids aren't even that good. Like, no, Red, they're super messy. Red yeah. complains about them all the time. I didn't care for them at Sword and Shield either. And I I don't I don't love that Game Freak is going in this direction. And I think they're like going in a Pokemon Go direction because it's yes. still yeah. like the popular thing. I hate it. Don't like it. So um yeah, like I've often said I'm out on Pokemon, then I've come back. But and you know, I'll I'll play through this one. I'll get my Pokemon in, but boy oh boy, like the direction of this franchise is just increasingly I'm just like I don't like the direction of this franchise. I don't like the way that what they're doing with these games. I really hate the the co-op raids. They're they're tedious, very tedious. I don't want to mm-hmm. get the freaking gems. I'm out. So, but uh, yeah, so that, those are my feelings on Pokemon. So I haven't been playing it actually much. Um, I have been playing Hyperlight Drifter, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Did I talk about this on this podcast? Um, it's a lot you told of fun. us you were playing it last week. I don't remember much else beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm playing a lot of. Hi- I started playing Hyperlight Drifter, which is like uh, kind of an action RPG, top down, very beautiful, mm-hmm. a little bit of a Zelda vibe, and I was like. Damn, this is really cool. Um, and I like I, I like action games. That's a that's a heck of a realization to make, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I um for all my vetching about how much I prefer turn turn based games, like just a really well done action game really hits my soul in just the right way, especially if there's the right amount of depth, right amount mm-hmm. of exploration, right amount of polish. And uh, I'm definitely feeling it uh, with Hyperlight Drifter. So um, when I'm not when I'm not playing uh, Snap, which is rare, I mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. haven't played that one. Been loading a lot of games on my Steam Deck as well um, in preparation uh, for going to Amsterdam. Um, oh, that's the, happening soon. Yeah, The Witcher uh, Three Next Gen update is going to drop while I'm there, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, no. Ferex. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to get started on uh, the Blood and Wine expansion while uh, while while I'm flying home. So uh, that's oh, that's so where I can stand. Yeah, so a lot of good games out there. I think um, there's too of, many too many yeah. good games. Sure. I, was a, mm-hmm. I was having a blast uh, buying games for uh, for my Steam Deck on the Steam Autumn Sale. It's like mm-hmm. oh, I'll get Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll get Ace Combat Seven. It's great. Oh, Ace Combat Seven. Mm. Yes, Ace absolutely. Combat. I never played it, but it looks like a lot of fun. I'd probably enjoy oh, it. Oh, I love the the PS2 Ace Combats were absolutely brilliant. Like just fantastic. I've heard. I've only played a little bit of Seven, but I've heard that Seven is like the strongest the series has been since like Ace Combat Five. Was that the one oh. with JPEG Dog? Seven did have JPEG dog. JPEG dog. Yes. RIP JPEG yeah. dog. Uh, if you like the whole Metal Gear Solid like mill sim, but also weirdly about like hope and the future of humanity and stuff, like it, that is the vibe of Ace Combat, and it's honestly fantastic. Ace Combat Five is is honestly like an underrated PlayStation Two game. It should get way more recognition for how good it is. It always has great. Like anytime I listen to a game. Uh, music channel the music always comes up and it's oh, always the fantastic music slaps oh my god mm. 
Mm. This but is seriously, now a planes podcast. What is <laughs> what is JPEG dog? It's there. There was a cut scene in Ace Combat Seven where you're just looking at some like lady on a tarmac talking to somebody else or whatever, but she has a dog next to her, and people realized that it was like a stock photo of a dog that had been like photoshopped out and just put on, so it wasn't. Yeah, Zubatman <laughs> just shared it in the Stars of Destiny live chat. Like everyone else is CGI animated, and then there's just like this Photoshop cutout of a dog and uh, <laughs> just standing there, and like. I don't know if the story was uh, that this was like a placeholder and they just never swapped it out for the real thing, but I love it. I love I weirdly heard that it was realistic to, JPEG to dog. someone's uh, dog who died. Like it is an actual. Oh, dog. so it's an actual dog. I thought it was a stock photo. I thought I read somewhere that it was a stock photo. If it's a if it's a tribute to a real good boy, then I'm I'm I understand. Cool with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you pet? To the be JPEG? clear, I love it no matter what. <laughs> Can you pet the JPEG dog? Yeah. No, sadly. You can't pet anyone in Ace Combat. You can just pet him with bullets, I guess. (laughs) They won't let you pet the planes. They're cowards. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the Fire Emblem Fates petting minigame, but for my jet planes. (laughs) For my Cessna, please. (laughs) That's why Advance Wars has been delayed indefinitely. They're trying to make you be able to do the little Fire Emblem Fates petting thing, but with with the tanks. Yeah. (laughs) They're trying to crack. How can we date Uh, the tanks? How can the tanks date? How can the tanks kiss? <laughs> With their little uh, n- nozzles kind of pressed together. How can tanks date if mirrors aren't Just real? Just turn them into anime girls. <laughs> That's They've done it for battleships already. Yeah. Intelligence mm-hmm. systems. This is a failure of imagination. You have, <laughs> you have all of the cute anime girls as your commanders. They can kiss. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Ugh. Oh, Cat, there's an entire franchise about anime girls that turn into like tanks and warships and stuff. I know. Like, I they're, know. they're so far oh, ahead yeah. of the game. <laughs> what are you doing, intelligence systems? The answer is right there. Um, before we move on, I just want to also comment that uh, I wrapped up Avatar The Last Airbender just recently. Um, the, the the final episode is fire. Really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Um, Sozin's Comet. Thought it was a great ending, and uh, we, we don't have an autumn of the Avatar segment uh, this week because we're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, you can go listen to my full thoughts in our book three special about Avatar: The Last Airbender, which went up uh, last week of the recording mm-hmm. of this podcast, in which we wrap up the entire show, pick our MVP of the show, talk mm-hmm. about our feelings about it in general, talk about Sozin's comment. Uh, so yeah, go check that out, and our next. Uh, project is Winter of Wick. Mm-hmm. We're all going to watch the John Wick franchise, starting with the original, and we're going to do a podcast about that uh, sometime this month. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to go up at some point, so uh, please look forward to Winter of Wick. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Avatar's so good. I wasn't around for Autumn of Avatar, but. I've been rewatching it too. Len, it's, Len, it's what 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 are your what are your um, Avatar: The Last Airbender takes? I want to hear them. Oh, I don't know if I have like any hot takes ready to go, but it's definitely one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, Heck yeah! Uh, I, I I if I had to pick an MVP, it's it's Uncle Iroh. I think Uncle Iroh mm-hmm. is like the mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. male mm-hmm. role model that has ever appeared in media at any point mm-hmm. in the history of time. Um, For sure. Yeah. It's it's a real good show. 
And Zoo Batman wants to know Zaka, Saka, yay or nay? Nah. I am I am by the end of the show I'm I'm pro Saka. I, I like that hmm. he's kind of he has some wrong ideas and then he learns and grows from them. I think that's something that I was that saying it see from, more often. From book one, like Sokka is a character that is allowed to fail and be a bad person and right. then get better. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes getting better is just learning basic human empathy and how not to be a, a misogynist. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like, again, one thing I, I love about Avatar that we talk about in the the book three special is like characters are allowed to grow over time in a way that, you know, not a lot of shows are willing to let their characters be bad and get better. Um, but right. Avatar does that. For sure. Oh, Sokka and knows then, how mm. babies are made. <laughs> Sokka does. Sokka, as I said in the special, has played Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Chapter oh, yeah. 4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sokka and Suki played that part. Um, Kal-El says, hot take, Ember Island Players is the best episode. I guffawed multiple times that episode. That's the one, if you're not familiar, um, in which they all just go to a play. And this is the second to last episode, I think. Just go to a play that recaps their entire adventure, except that it's a bunch of Fire Nation people playing them. And it's just loaded with self-referential jokes. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It is actually hilarious. And Toph laughing at them, like apparently casting a dude to play her. She's like, that's mm-hmm. hilarious. I love this. Big beefy dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. If you if you haven't been following the Autumn of the Avatar, go listen to our book one, two, and three recaps, and they'll catch you up. You can watch in real time. You can listen in real time as my opinions evolve. Um, I make random predictions. I actually made some like good calls. I, I think like I mm-hmm. I properly mm-hmm. called one of the big uh the one of the big face turns. Properly called uh the advent of uh, certain powers very proud of myself and give myself a pat on the back um <laughs> yes sardin uh the beach is a great episode agreed okay now it's time for a series of random encounters hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Blizzard Albany QA workers have voted to unionize and now are the second Activision Blizzard QA team to do so. Monster Hunter Rise is coming to PlayStation and Xbox on January 20th, and it's also coming to uh, Game Pass. But it still doesn't have cross-save. Thanks, Uh, Captain. No cross-save, no cross-play. 
Yeah, I, exactly. would, do I want to play this on PC? Yes. Can I? No, because I'm not going to be putting another 200 hours into Monster Hunter Rise. Boo! Mm-hmm. Um, Naoki Yoshida will be at the Game Awards for a special presentation. Mass Effect mm. Legendary Edition is on PlayStation Plus in December. The Witcher 1 remake will be open world, which is actually like pretty cool. And Nintendo has vowed to fix Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Good luck, because there's a lot of work that needs to be <laughs> done on this so. game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope so. There's different different ways of fixing, you know? Because <laughs> well, like, I read Reb's review, and I read Eric's review, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to wait to see if they do like a crystal or an emerald. Like uh, if they do like a third game for this generation. Cause... Ultraviolet is right there. It's it's such an easy. <laughs> it, it works so well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what you've said about Ultra Scarlet. Hell yeah. What you've said about the story is making me reconsider because the story is the number one thing that draws me to an RPG. See? Yeah. See? So really? if the story you and I know is each really other. good maybe i'll end up picking it up but I don't it is know. it is that la- and and i hate to say it like the story the characters the writing is really really good it really is i even think it's good before that but in those last 90 minutes oh my god it's mm, mm, Zubatman yeah. has the right call pokemon infrared and ultraviolet oh i like that Ooh, Ooh yes. i got it i'm stealing on, it, on the switch pro question mark you know when that <laughs> happens in 2035 yeah. do you really think this was made for the switch pro and it was like no. kind of okay no so. i think this was just made <laughs> i think uh-huh. this was created it was made, think, period full stop i think game freak just needs to hire some people that have worked on open world rpgs before go on down the road to monolith soft yeah go so, talk to them yeah god and that would make me so happy if you hear Ask that, for that the next game sauce. is going to be like Scarlet and Violet, the monolith, monolith stuff is going to be helping. It's like, I'm oh, like, thank God. Mm, I'm biting Finally. my tongue really hard. Play play the end. If you're not going to play the end game yourself, go find a streamer you like who has played the end game and watch them play it because it is. Mm, and then and then come back and talk to me a little bit about this. Mm. <laughs> Did you finish Xenoblade Chronicles 3 yet, Eric? No. OK, so so full context, because <laughs> I guess we haven't addressed this in the pod yet. We were planning to do a Xenoblade oh, right. 3 spoiler cast uh that being said it was we were trying to plan it the week of thanksgiving and we really should have seen it coming that everybody was traveling and either did not pack their microphones or would not be in front of a computer that could reasonably record Mm -hmm. a podcast that being said i have reopened xenoblade chronicles 3 uh i'm in the final chapter i think i'm literally at the part where you are in the final dungeon i have i have sailed so to speak let's let's put it there i have ridden a boat and and now i'm in a place and i think i'm in the final dungeon because i was going to tell you uh before we talk about zoom chronicles 3 the one quest i needed to do is the one with shania if you finish that if you didn't finish that yet i think it's uh shania Shania i think it's master quest okay okay uh well yeah so i do want to go back and do all the the master quests for at least the core cast yeah, yeah, because those have really cool story bits. I will say we are still planning to do that. That is happening. That is happening before the end of this year. Uh, it just was not going to be able to come together for the week of Thanksgiving like we had yeah. hoped. So, uh, but we do have plans on it. We already have one very special guest uh, who's very interested. And I've got a few others who are keen on appearing. So uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. Please but look yeah. forward to it. Xenoblade still rips, by the way. It's still a very good game. 
Lynn, I think it's interesting that you're big into the story aspect of RPGs and that's like the main thing that you play them for because I always thought of you as like a mechanics person. Oh, definitely not. I'm definitely a story person. Interesting. Um, yeah, I find mechanics interesting and like I have a hard time getting into a game if the mechanics are bad or if they yeah. uh to to use the dreaded video game uh, discourse buzzword, if there's too much ludonarrative dissonance mm, between mm, what the mm -hmm. story is telling me and what the game mechanics are trying to tell me, then yeah. that's uh, yeah, that could be rough. But no, I've the reason I got into games like as a hobby and as a career is because I'm fascinated by the ways they can tell stories mm -hmm. that no other medium can. Um, that's always been sort of the heart of why I love video games in general. So you're like me, basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. We're similar in that regard. Yeah, for sure. I I, I prefer... I, I like good game storytelling. I need it to be integrated hard with the actual gameplay. Like, mm -hmm. I think Hades mm -hmm. is a yeah. phenomenal mm -hmm. example of tight narrative design, amazing mm -hmm. writing... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. woven deep into the fabric of the structure of the game. Um, I really love The Witcher 3's um, story. I, I love all the choices and everything. I hate sitting through cutscenes. I hate mm. sitting through people talking at me. I hate sitting through text, oh, endless text boxes. It's a mark of how phenomenal Persona 5 is that I can deal with that. But also, it's why I haven't finished it. I, I can't I cannot deal I cannot deal with a lot of things this morning unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but I... text box is like it, we, were, we were talking recently actually Kat about how good Disco Elysium is and that's a yeah. case where they took the text boxes and gamified them in a way that does feel really really good and I think has worked and kind of got a Agreed. lot of people thinking about that sort of thing Disco Elysium is another phenomenal, like one of the best written games of the past 10 years. Oh, yeah. I am can, we, can we just pod about Disco Elysium sometimes? I want an excuse to play the final <laughs> cut. Like, I want to have an excuse to play the final cut. So let's just pod about it sometime soon. Let's just do a Disco Elysium pod. <laughs> We've done a freaking Pantheon. Do we need to do yeah, another one? Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I was thinking about this with The Witcher 3, too, because I was like, oh, The Witcher 3 is coming out and I want to play The Witcher 3. But haven't we podcasted no. a billion times about it on Blood God? Not, but what not if a, not to the degree that we should have? Yeah. What What if we just say, you know what? We just want to talk about this game. <laughs> this week. You haven't talked to me about Disco Elysium on the podcast. It's so exactly. there's, there's an excuse. Yeah, we can talk oh. about Disco Elysium and The Witcher 3 over and yeah. over again forever. The chat keeps putting up pictures of Pikachu being crucified while you're all talking about this. I'm very uh -huh. confused by uh -huh. this. I don't know mm -hmm. what this meme is. I'm a little bit scared. Um, but <laughs> the thing that I really like, like I, people were making discourse about Elden Ring being nominated for best narrative. First of all, the world building in that game is excellent. In mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah, I There's agree. There's a lot to delve into. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like subtle storytelling. I do like the storytelling through the details in the world, through mm -hmm. the combat, through the checking the item descriptions. There's a lot of like interesting little details, but it's not like in my face. It's not overbearing. It's very uh, gameplay forward and allows me to move at my own pace. And it isn't trying to be a freaking movie. 
Like, FromSoft is the kings of visual storytelling, in my yeah. opinion. Mm. Like, visual storytelling. Yeah. There's the, I can't remember the name of the woman who does like the videos that really break down the visual cues of the, for the story of Elden Ring and other Souls uh, games, but Quilog? Something with is, a Z, what, is, I think. Oh, okay. No, Are you thinking I'm of thinking uh, of a body, body video? I might be thinking of I mean, uh, body does some stuff too. There are a lot of really uh, good souls. There's a lot of really, but there. that's exactly yeah. it though. There's a lot of people out there who have these great breakdowns of souls because they have so much content to work with. And no, FromSoft is not an upfront developer who will tell you, Hey, this is what we're telling you about. It's all stuff. You can work out easily enough. You just have to put the pieces together. Uh, yeah. Like I, I did think some of the narrative talk was a little silly because number one, I think Elden Ring is the case of FromSoft being the most upfront with their story that they've been in a exactly. while. And like the Ronnie stuff in particular is basically just an RPG quest and it works really, really well. Like when the the turn happens in that storyline and some things happen in, in that game, you're like, it 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 does hit. Um and it's it's not subtle, it's very upfront. I don't think there's you know, maybe the argument could be made that sometimes they obfuscate the way that you're supposed to move forward in these quests sometimes, because there was definitely a certain storyline that I missed because I advanced the story, the main story too far. But yeah, I did too. I, I think there's so many pieces of Elden Ring that are so well put together that, yeah, it's it's a good story. I my it's... my larger problem with the Game Awards is just that, like. I they think it's the worst to... story of any of the From Software games, but it's still really good. <laughs> oh, it's not the worst story. The worst. What, the what's worst. the worst? What's the worst of the From Software stories? I don't Dark like Dark Souls, Souls 3 very much. No, nah. I think Dark Souls 2 is underrated. Dark Souls 2 has a really good story. Yeah, yeah. Three, I think Dark Souls 3, 3 is kind of weak. Yeah. I was coming off three. the high of Bloodborne, which yeah. oh, for Bloodborne. my money, yeah. just wow. What, oh. what, a, what, a, what a story. Just a, a pitch perfect incredible take on cosmic horror it's perfect oh, yeah. perfect in every way and so going from that to elden ring where you had the, the, the sneak king as your enemy <laughs> yo i love that i love great. burger king magical school it's the best <laughs> that's the three line of flip burgers the thing with elden ring is like i feel like it should be in a different category because i would nominate it for best world building best i don't game know that direction i would, is kind I would of necessarily that. nominate it for best storytelling because mm. like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. moments that really hit me in elden ring are like when you're at the you're you're at the top of uh stormvale castle and you're fighting godric the grafted and like maybe you don't even really think about it that hard the first time through but then you see everything that's going on down below. You see like the ants and stuff down mm-hmm, deep mm-hmm. in the underworld. And you're playing through a second time. And you're like, wait, you're seeing this guy's like grafting stuff onto his body. He's like grafting a dragon onto his hand right there. Yep. Right yep. off to your right. You look and it's like, oh, it's a giant tree. Wait, are these tree people? Wait, hang on, hang on. Wait, hang on. And, like it all like starts to make sense. Like mm-hmm, all of this mm-hmm. like implicit stuff. My, but that's more world building than storytelling. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, I think one of the most interesting bits of story building, uh, of world building in Elden Ring was, uh, if you hear about the woods people, like, oh, that must be nice, you know, nice elves or something, and they turn out to be one of those horrifying, terrible monsters I've ever seen in mm-hmm. an RPG ever. Like, they <laughs> barf up slugs and crap. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. god. But then it's like I'm looking at their villages because they have villages, they have a society, whereas all their enemies are always slaughtering each other. Like they. I, I caught one like kind of weeping at a grave and I'm like, I am so I don't even know what to think of this, but that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing you get with FromSoft's games and it's not 
telling me exactly what went on here, but you can certainly take a guess. My my bigger beef with the Game Awards nominations is that like they seem to segment off games in a way that I'm not wild about because yeah. like it feels well, like every year. This is a whole year... genre conversation. Well, well right? but no. So what? So what I'm saying is like every year they have like here's best indie game, best debut indie game, and and like Citizen Sleeper is in those categories, and I don't know how that game gets in there, but is not even like. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the full vote tally or anything, but like how it didn't get the nomination for stuff instead, like best story is just a bunch of triple A games and maybe like one indie sneaks in. Yeah, I think I think Immortality was the chosen duck this year uh, where like we're going to put this one and Stray for some reason, because I everybody guess Stray heard, was the one everyone played. Yeah, everybody yeah. heard all the cool kids going Immortality and they're like, I should vote for that one. I okay, think immortality is a really good story to be to be it's, totally it's clear. True. It's very good. I think that a you need to fix the categories and maybe this is a post show topic, but yeah, you need to fix yeah. the categories. And also uh, the, the games are selected by nominations from journalists. Yes. And yeah, I'm constantly disappointed by my peers. Y'all, yeah, yeah. Y'all make bad decisions. And the sports category is always a joke because you don't know of what course, to nominate. Yes. The it's the terrible. fighting category had Sifu yeah. for some reason, uh, yeah. which Sifu's not a fighting yeah. game. It's a great yeah. game, but it's not amazing a game. game. Great yeah. action game. The, yeah. the, the action game category versus action adventure is a, nobody knows what the heck is going on with that category. Yeah, yeah. They combine strategy and simulation, which led to Crusader Kings Three. Yes. High speed highway, like felony robbery to Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah, we need it, <laughs> we need a it needs a jury of like the top top experts in the games. Yeah, well, let's face it. This is a this is an awards show where like half the time the awards are gone during the commercials. But it, so yes. that's that's the yeah. thing is like the commercials take precedence over the it, awards. We could talk about this more in the post show. Yeah, well, we'll we probably show this. It's a whole I have thing. Long takes about this. Yeah, we, we were just talking about. We were just talking about narrative in uh, video games. And actually, what's interesting is few genres are more narrative heavy than tactics RPGs. Mm -hmm. But also, they frequently, like Tactics Ogre is a great example of a tactics RPG in which the the narrative is tightly woven Mm -hmm. into the actual design of the game, the choices that you're making, um... Uh, the the characters that you have and everything, and I I think that the the juxtaposition is really interesting because also tactics RPGs are some of the deepest most mechanics forward uh, mm-hmm. subgenre mm-hmm. of RPGs. It's a study of con. It's a it's a land of contrasts, mm-hmm. as Bart Simpson. In conclusion, in conclusion, <laughs> and the year twenty twenty two was truly the year of tactics. We got Triangle Strategy. We got Tactics Ogre Reborn. We got Marvel's Midnight Suns. We had many. I mean, it felt like it felt like Square was putting out a new tactics RPG every single mm-hmm. month. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm forgetting some of them. Ruka's just calling out Mario, Mario plus Rapids. Rapids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Front mission. Did Front Mission ever uh, even come out? <laughs> yeah, it did come out. the The weird thing is that like it came out. It came out. What? It. <laughs> 
it hasn't had a lot of fanfare because number one, it's because not Square doesn't a, have a marketing department anymore. Well, it's it's not Square. <laughs> it's not. It's Forever Entertainment. I what? think. Um, oh yeah, this is one of those weird situations where somebody has the license and it's just kind of being done with a blessing. Uh, um, was it good? So I I have heard mixed things about it let's say i have i have heard that it seems like it's fine if you want to play front mission on a modern nintendo switch um and and i i use the word fine uh very intentively there it 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 serves a purpose it maybe is not the in the same way that like Tactics Ogre Reborn is maybe not like the glorious FF7 remake that you might be looking for of that game, but is like a way to play that game on modern systems. Uh, although I will say, I think Reborn is is much better put together than what I've seen of Front Mission Remake. Um, it's this is a way to play these like tactics classics on a modern system. So Len, what's your take on the year of tactics? You listed some games on here yeah One th- we haven't really talked about warhammer 40k chaos yeah, gate demon yeah. hunters a game that i've been meaning to play actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the standout for me i think this year in terms of tactics games um we did a 3ma on it i just thought it was uh you know it's it's a great combination of like taking a writer who really like gets what's cool about warhammer 40k and then you know they they made sort of like an XCOM like game with Space Marines, which is just inherently interesting. And also sort of the decisions they made on how to differ it up from other, you know, squad based tactics games. Um, the way you can progress your dudes and use their abilities together. BTW, not, I'm literally buying it right now because I was just, just like, uh, I've been thinking about buying this and I was like, well, I don't really want to play it on my computer or whatever. And now Steam. I'm like, this oh, is the perfect mm. Steam Deck game. This is the perfect yeah. Steam Deck game. Oh, yeah. Buy it. mm. It'd be great. Uh, probably be great on Steam Deck. Um, not just dudes, by the way, because they are adding a Sisters of Battle DLC. Hell yeah, which I'm let's go. Really oh, excited hell. about. I, I do like um, the Sisters of Battle. Yeah, yeah they're they're cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's um, there's parts of it like. I think the final battle, they they kind of bit off more than they could chew to make this like giant elaborate scenario that takes. Like, oh, three so you hours. mean the XCOM 2 problem? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it, very, very similar problem um, where they just wanted an epic conclusion and in the process completely broke the very well tuned pacing of their entire game. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It's probably probably my tactics. Well, I don't know. I haven't finished Midnight Suns yet, so we'll see. <laughs> I I told the XCOM 2 developers to their face that I thought that the final mission was terrible. <laughs> I don't think they liked yeah. me very much after <laughs> I don't during know. the interview. I was just like, but seriously, what went wrong but with that y- final mission? Y'all, y'all are Firaxis. <laughs> y'all know. Like, if there's yeah. a studio in games development that I do think Firaxis has like a higher floor of quality than most other studios do even when they don't hit the ball completely they still get a piece of the bat on it like they're they're good and firaxis knows firaxis is aware (laughs) jake jake solomon's cool i've said some very critical things about his games in the past and i think he takes it in the right spirit so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely um Another question that I have about the year of tactics 2022 is why, why, why is this a thing? And this was something we were talking about at IGN. Like 
pair was like, man, I remember when like people would see Fire Emblem, they would just nope the right the heck out. Like what changed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I have an answer to this. Okay. Uh, it's a little game. Let, let me take you on back to 2020. Uh, where Eric is taking us on a journey. Out, All uh, right. Called Fire Emblem Three Houses, and really, think, I do. You think that was the turning point? No. <laughs> Look, we can we that can. That was 2019, my friend. It was 2019. That was 2019. Um. 2019 and i would even say that maybe awakening helped kickstart this i do think that fire emblem is a major part of of, like like fire emblem was like the nose it it was the tip of the spear it was the thing that that pressed in and started to break tactics out to the mainstream because fire emblem on the game boy advance was one thing Hmm. and fire emblem awakening like infamous for reviving that series and bringing it back to new audiences (laughs) um Yes. We, we were almost free of Fire Emblem, but then Awakening brought it back. It's like Michael Myers. <laughs> well, then it, and then it almost disappeared again. And yeah. then Three Houses. And I do think that Three it Houses was in was no deep. danger of disappearing. People people oh, act was. like oh. Fire Emblem no, Birthright and Conquest were like some kind of disaster for the series. They did very well. And by the way, Conquest is underrated. I, I'll talk, Conquest I'll think about is Awakening. Underrated. Sorry, sorry. You're, you're also forgetting about what was it, Echoes of Shadows over Valencia or whatever the, the, the remake one, which I, was, I was solid. pretty critical it of it. Okay, in my uh, review, but actually in hindsight, it, it was good. It's, it was very good. But it, but it was kind of fading back into that realm of like one of the more obscure Nintendo properties. The three houses brought it up another level. Yeah, up, for sure. And I think what it did was it showed that like. And this is something that I'm going to say about a lot of these tactics games that we have here and ones that are coming out in the future is that the tactics genre is actually pretty broad when you think about it. And a lot of the games that tend to do really well or really make an impression, I think, are ones that break the mold a little bit. I was at some point I'm going to write this up. I'm really bad about this. Um, I was talking with a developer about a game they were working on and they started citing their influences to me and they were like Valkyria Chronicles, uh, Jean d'Arc for the PSP, I think it was. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei uh, Devil Survivor. And I was like, okay, so that's like my activation phrase. You've just, I've winter soldiered (laughs) now. (laughs) But um, it's like, you think about tactics games are actually a pretty malleable format. And so what Fire Emblem did was they said, okay, we we tried the whole weird making kids eugenics thing and that got kind of weird. What if we just did management stuff? Like we took the idea of like raising games to so stuff like um uh oh Monster Rancher and stuff like that, but you're raising this this group of units so you're not just training them in battle but you're training them at a base to you're getting to know them you're developing an attachment to these units and i do think much like persona wields that stuff wields very like excel spreadsheet type stuff and turns it into a game that is like functional and interesting for people who might not normally be interested in that three houses did that and i think you see that through games like midnight suns which to my understanding is basically just marvel three houses <laughs> that's pretty cool i like that um, and and I think a lot of other games on here, we you look at Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope feels like it's taking ideas from stuff like Valkyria Chronicles, where you have the sort of freedom of movement to move around. And it's very momentum based and combo based and stuff like that, setting a thing up, putting someone on Overwatch and then having someone else trigger movement. So that way you get free Overwatch shots. Um, 
it's it's really cool seeing developers play around in the space. I think Diofield Chronicle is honestly an underrated gem of this this fall because while it's definitely got its issues, I do think it had some really cool ideas when it came to a real time tactics strategy game, like a strategy RPG that plays out in real time. Uh, I know a lot of people in the Discord compared it to like Rolancer and stuff like that, and that's a valid comparison. Um, I think three hopes came out and it showed that a tactics game can sell uh, a tactics game can be a lot of things and a tactics game can build a potential franchise if you want it to, because three houses eventually became three hopes, which came out this year and I still have not finished. I kind of, I burned out on it <laughs> and, but now fire emblem is even going back to engage just looks like they took the fire emblem heroes idea. And we're like, what if we made that into a fire emblem game? Because people love fire emblem. But I, I think it's shown that like a big budget tactics game is something that people could be into. And is also a pretty easy game to teach to somebody when you get down to it, especially yeah. if you make the numbers very obvious and very visible. So um, I think also just breaking the mold and this again goes back to awakening and to three houses is breaking the idea that tactics games have to be hardcore that they have Mm -hmm. to be this like permadeath gauntlet that instead what if you had modes where there's no permadeath what if you had modes where there's no you can roll back turns um there's there's a lot more leniency in that and i think in understanding that um you know players were already resetting their their gbas every time they lost a unit in fire emblem so like why not just give them a mode where they don't have to do that anymore and i think they're just adjusting to getting out of kind of very strict definitions of what tactics games are and and breaking the mold outwards and that's making the genre more approachable for more people i yeah uh somebody was saying that uh tactics games are popular now because of the kissing and yeah and everything yeah Um, yeah which i i don't think is wrong necessarily i i think it's just a it works really well on uh dedicated handheld devices it's not too hardware intensive uh but you can do a lot of interesting stuff with uh both the the strategy layer and the tactics layer right strategy layer where you're having kids and you're making interesting choices and all of that stuff and then the actual like nitty-gritty on the ground tactics I also think it's interesting that something that's happened over the past 10 years or something is that we've become much more RPG forward. I think like we talk a lot about RPG mechanics, but there's a real appetite for really in-depth, crunchy, hardcore, um, hardcore mechanics in a lot of games in a way that maybe that we didn't have 10 years ago. And I would even point to Marvel Snap. A game that, on its face, very, very accessible, very fun, but also quite deep, in a lot of respects. Um, and people are like, "I'm, a, I'm in," you know, is, I or Elden Ring, even, you know, where you're going through these like really dense character builds, and like uh, we talk a lot about the wickification of games and tactics games lean into that so hard, mm-hmm. uh, finding the right finding the right builds for your characters, finding the right party compositions mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's been a, a really interesting shift, I would argue. Um, and tactics, tactics games um, are a big, big part of that. Uh, my question is, is 
Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate Demon Hunters, which is just fun to say, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Len, did you ever play Dawn of War 2? I loved Dawn of War 2. <gasps> Dawn, Dawn of War 2 whipped. Oh my One of my God. favorites. Yeah, it's my favorite Dawn of War, definitely. I love uh, that it's just yeah. a squad-based tactics game, but mm-hmm. with yeah. like real-time mm-hmm. movement. And the the uh, the expansions were so good. So yeah. good. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was yeah, sad was... that they moved back into more of a traditional RTS with Dawn of War 3 because Dawn of right. War 2 was awesome. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, also, just like 40, like 40K lore-wise, it fit very well because mm. like if you read the novels and stuff, it's like, yeah, you can have you can take a planet with like 12 space marines. It's <laughs> like <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah, like they're usually going up against like a thousand to one odds. So I liked that aspect of it too. Indeed. Um, so yeah, we've talked about Warhammer 40k. We haven't talked much about Mario Plus Rabbids, which um is kind of one of the more underrated games of this year, but a lot of people would say it's low-key one of the best uh, Switch releases of yeah. 2022. Yeah. Really well done. Uh, mm-hmm. shockingly well done for an Ubisoft game. And it's uh but at the same time, it's kind of being overlooked a little bit. I think the problem uh, and, and I ended up reviewing it and I actually enjoyed it quite a deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's on my end of the year list is that I think a lot of people still get kind of turned off by the rabbits idea and just the yeah. general sentiment yeah. that this feels like it's a kids game because of it. Not just that they don't like, you know, the, the minions type sort of stuff, but also that it feels like it's supposed to be a children's game. Uh, and it's really not. It's actually surprisingly challenging at different parts without being overly challenging, I would say. And I loved there's so many little ways that I do think it uses modern design. I mean, it breaks a lot of tactics, games or rules very intentionally and in a way that feels like it fits the thing that they're trying to do, having characters be able to bounce off each other to extend their movement range. So you don't have sprint, you have jump. And that's right. a very like Mario idea. Like you you have to use teammate positioning to engage in sprints rather than just having an extra set of moves you can do. I think that's honestly one of the smartest design decisions they made because it forces you to work as a team more often. But they also have all these different ideas of different characters, abilities, interacting with each other. I love being able to like my rabid peach would shoot missiles that had a... um a water effect on them so it would make enemies bounce and then my luigi way back in the in the way way back would be on overwatch and he gets free shots on people if they move luigi on overwatch i love that luigi on overwatch yeah and and he just delivers <laughs> he just smacks them while they're in the air and you get this like combo going that feels really good and it feels like they teach you how to do that very sneakily and very uh in a way that feels natural uh, and, and all the characters in that game have really unique. And one of my complaints about the first kingdom battle was that characters felt too samey sometimes or their, their guns just didn't feel like they were doing interesting things. And in this game, every character's weapon is super unique, mm. like very specific to what they do and, and who they are and how they operate on a field. And uh, I, I'm just, it is honestly, I thought kingdom battle was a, like a fun novelty. Like, Oh look, they put Mario and rabbits together and it worked. It's like Mario rabbits XCOM. Isn't that fun? It's a fine game. Don't get me wrong. I just, you I think bounced that off it's all it light and fun until you see 
Luigi with a sniper rifle with that exactly. uh, murderous <laughs> look in his eye. He's yeah. born with a sniper rifle in his hand, Luigi. Yeah. Um, yeah, Where, whereas Sparks of Hope, yes, yeah, so a super move says like Mario and Rabbids 1 had exactly one party combo I used all the time. Mario Rabbids 2, I've been switching them a lot. They they just took so much of like that original game had an idea, but it wasn't always fully realized. And Sparks of Hope delivers on that. And then also does a lot of stuff. Again, we're talking about tactics games that like, yes, and and add more stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of just like you can roam around in the world and solve overworld puzzles or do kind of like faux platforming stuff. And if you don't want to do a tactics battle, you don't have to go do a tactics battle right away. And the tactics battles in Mario and Rabbids are snappy. They're like Marvel snap snappy where it's like a minute on a map and you're done. And and it's it's effective in that way, I think. This might be the game that I download. Yeah. Sorry, made an interesting point. I feel like I need to point out that it's really not a part of three houses, i.e. the kisses. The mm-hmm. actual romance is minimal and optional. It's true that the actual romance is very downplayed. Mm-hmm. Social links yes, are important. Yes. yes. But smooching is almost nothing. But the characters are so likable and attractive that we still talk about it like it's awakening. Well, you can you can still like pair them off a bit, right? It's not to the level yeah, that awakening parties. let you do, but like I think we just you can memes still... those characters yeah. so hard. Like this game was like the yes. the perfect it's, slash fiction game. Big time. It's indicative of how likable the characters are. Yeah, the epilogue t- tells you who got together, and I really liked that. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. very fire emblem. Right that's there. always been yeah. a very fire emblem thing. It's like if you get that. the characters yeah. making the bonds, then <laughs> it's going to be like. Oh, so and so came together. So and so died. I, I there's I, a lot of sad ones where like yeah, uh, they come together, but then it's like oh they divorce, oh they leave each other, and uh, like oh okay, well I, that kind of sucks. No, I I think honestly, Awakening has some of my favorite ones of pairing off different characters and seeing how they turn out because they do have some like really interesting dynamics that can be very different depending on which characters you pair. Um, but that is like having units not just be units and i want to say i was talking to some developer of a tactics game about this at some point but there was this idea that at some point we swapped over from having the sort of final fantasy tactics or even tactics over reborn where you kind of have you know your main characters and then a bunch of you know johnny utahs that are showing up that are just like you know you got to be a class for me you got to do a thing for me and now a lot of tactics games are focusing more on smaller parties and individual characters that have stories have backstories have personalities and i don't think there's a wrong way of doing that i actually so i like triangle strategy a lot and i've liked it even more in retrospect as the year has gone on because i it doesn't have that class flexibility for each character but it lets each character be mm-hmm. a very specific type of character i love the builder character in that game so much he is one of my favorite designs for a tactics unit ever because he's just all about building stuff and like laying traps and so his abilities are like make a little thing that if a unit steps on it they get pushed one square and so you can set up really fun ones where he runs to a cliff and he turns around he's got his back turned he's like oh no my back is turned please don't hit me in the back and then he puts <laughs> please don't do it trap. he puts a trap behind him and another enemy unit comes up he's like oh i'm gonna hit this guy in the back and he gets pushed off a cliff because of it and it's like it's a really fun archetype to have uh and he can also build a ballista turret that fires shots at enemies which is just hilarious and fantastic but um 
I, I do think that having this idea of characters that are individual and are actual characters has become very prevalent in tactics games and has made them uh, very fun to play for people who normally don't get into that because maybe they play a game like tactics ogre or final fantasy tactics and they're like oh, half these i don't know who these are they don't show up in cutscenes. they don't do anything they're just standing there like who cares but you play a game like midnight suns and you're like oh that's blade i just had drinks by the pool with blade and he's great <laughs> and he's got got some great cards for him i'm so excited to take him on a new mission and like that's that's the sort of good hits that you know then you got to go play a tactics game but that's how you trick him into playing a tactics game. Treehouses <laughs> is the perfect tactics game for the modern era because actually the tactics are the worst part of the game. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The best mm. part of that game is definitely the school stuff. And uh, all of yeah, the... Yeah. In, in the story, individual individual students, and the memeing and everything. But once they're actually on the battlefield, you're just... it's. I would argue that it's very one-dimensional in terms of the actual maps and everything. Um, but people just got super into having tea with their favorite characters in Fire Emblem mm-hmm. Three Houses. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, we're doing a Pantheon poll right now. It just ended. There are 220 oh. votes. Mm. Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Three Houses are tied. Oh my god! Thirty-seven percent. Wow. Really? Thirty-seven. They're tied. I. I don't actually know that I can look and see if like one has uh, a vote over right. the other. We might literally have to do like a runoff or something. Like just oh my god, chat's losing its mind. Is this is this a first for us? Have I think we, it is. I don't know ever happening. And this this is I, beautiful. I, love I was this. going to go check. It's thirty seven percent to thirty seven percent. Fun fact: If it's tied, we now have to go play a, a Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem. That's how the rules maybe, work. Maybe yeah. I just maybe like as a as a a thing with the Stars of Destiny is I think that if there's a tie like this, we just say okay, here are the two games. Do a reaction. Which one do you want? Right, and you right. all get the final call. So maybe maybe that's mm, what we'll do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after this episode is over. But this is great. I love this. Like <laughs> God in Georgia, run off hell. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, this is exciting. I mean, we've had games that have won by like two votes before. Yeah, very close. Very. We've close, had some like very close, very close polls um, in the past. But um, okay. Final thing. Before we move on, I just want to very quickly talk about Triangle Strategy. It came out really a lot earlier in the year. Mm, um, mm-hmm. 
there was an interesting juxtaposition of triangle strategy versus a uh, tactics ogre uh, reborn and triangle strategy is another one that actually it did very well. Ultimately it's mm-hmm. better than mm-hmm. a million copies. Um, and yet I feel like it's getting a little bit of short shrift in the game of the year voting, because I think a lot of the journalists didn't play it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that a lot of people forgot that it came out this year, but it is a really tight 20 hour experience with really mm-hmm. good branching Great paths maps. and decisions and that kind of thing. Very Great fast, maps. beautiful looking. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it feels like it's the most like, like it is a tactics ogre game by way of modern sensibilities in that way of like, we're going to take everything that was good about old crunchy pixely tactics games and bring it forward but also add in a lot of the things that have made modern tactics games good i do think it has some some shortcomings in that area but overall it is one that i've only like had fonder memories of in hindsight and honestly when it came out on steam i was thinking about putting it on my steam deck to play again just because it's it's good. It's got good characters. It's got cool ideas about how those characters can interact. Like I love some of the characters that have abilities. that are just about like feeding action points to another character or like, like there's, there's a level of interactivity that is there that is not present all the time in a game like tactics ogre, where every unit is kind of an Island in a way. And you have to kind of design them to function the best that they can, but tactics, or, or triangle strategy really encourages you to think about how your whole team works together even has really cool designs for how how could a healer work in a way that's different from normal healing what if we had your base healer but then also an alchemist type character uh, i love that archetype by the way like an item focused character and, and one who's all about like making your potions better and making you be able to use them better uh, or uh, Hasabara, I think her name was the the mounted healer that will heal units if she gets a follow up attack on somebody. So you want to play aggressively with her so that she's getting the sort of pincer attacks and then healing people. Um, it's it's some really really like fresh, interesting unit design that as I was playing Tactics Ogre Reborn, which is a very very good tactics game by the way it was making me realize that those units are all cool and I love designing them, but they do feel like an Island from each mm-hmm. other in, in a lot of ways. Whereas like Tristrat had really cool ideas about how Tri-Strat. the whole army works. Yeah. Tristrat. 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 Yeah. The Tristrat area. Well, those are the, those are I, the, the units Tri-Strat. I really, <laughs> the <laughs> units I really love designing tactics around too. I found this is also true in midnight suns where some of the more unorthodox, like support characters like Dr. Strange and magic just let you set up so much cool stuff. And I love, mm-hmm. I love games mm-hmm. that let you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like in triangle strategy that your characters vote and yes, yeah. they oh vote on your next move and you have to convince them to go yes. your way. Yes. It makes them yes. feel much more uh, alive. Much right? more like people. Cause yeah. decisions aren't easy. And someone who you think, okay, they're on my side. They have their own reason for saying no, uh, I got to take this path. You didn't convince me. It's a really, it does make it feel more like a serious war. That's what happened to me for sure. And Robo Riley says, well, cat, it was earlier in the year, i.e. why it's not getting as much attention and Holy heck, so much talking and Mm -hmm. I love it and I need to beat it. But, uh, but it's so easy to bounce off the first three hours. And yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. It's overwritten. It is a little bit overwritten. I still like it better than tactics ogre reborn uh, this year. So, but that 
that's our that's our look back on the year of tactics 2022 a lot of fascinating games between marvel marvel's midnight suns and triangle strategy and warhammer 40k chaos gate demon hunters which uh Um, We kind of overlooked, but now a lot of people are saying, no, straight up, this is like one of the best games of the year. I literally just bought it. I'm totally going to download it onto my Steam Deck. My Steam Deck is like freaking loaded with games right now. It's crazy. (laughs) I'm very excited about that. But uh, back to when Kat was like, I don't know. I I think I'm going to sell my Steam Deck. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I am not afraid to say, yeah, I was wrong uh, and completely Mm -hmm. reverse my Mm -hmm. opinion. I uh, I'm light on my feet like that, but um, character what, growth, yeah. character growth. Yeah, I leveled That's up. What's about? This is what Avatar <laughs> does to people. <laughs> bigger, bigger, and bigger intelligence stat. Um, but what was your favorite tactics game? Was there a game that a uh, tactics game that came out this year, like Dealfield Chronicle, which we haven't talked about much, that you really enjoyed that uh, that we've kind of overlooked? Share it in the comments or tweet at me at the underscore catbot. Or DM me. I mean, we'll read it on the show. Okay, Nadia, take us home. Well, I have a bit of an easygoing question today, or a pit rather, and it involves all of you oh, because be I bad. wanted to know. What is the worst video game you ever got as a gift? And it doesn't have to be like holiday. It all did the holidays did make me start thinking about this, because I'm thinking the worst game I ever got. I'll go first. Is Muppet Adventure on the NES? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even know what I got it for. I think my parents just brought it home from somewhere. And here's the thing that really pisses me off about old games back in the day: they were hard as hell. Not because they were designed to be hard, but because they were just put together so badly. Like, I never finished Muppet Adventure. It was the most tedious piece of crap you could practically think of. It was <laughs> mm-hmm, it was basically mm-hmm. the Muppets going through a carnival. So you had all these mini games that went on and on and on. Like, Gonzo was in a rocket ship that had terrible handling. Uh, Fozzie was the worst. You had to go through all these mazes made of ice cream. Uh, I, I think, uh, what's his name? Kermit had a river raft uh thing that you you would go down and, and hit all the logs or try to avoid the logs oh and animal had like a go-kart thing and it was just like i'm not the hugest muppet fan to begin with so that was kind Aww. of against me right there i don't hate them by any means of course i grew up with sesame street i adored sesame street the true and- pit is nadia dragging the muppets yeah what? i love i'm not I love how can you be anything less than a giant <laughs> muppets fan I can't. This is the most shocking turn, honestly. I know. It's like the Muppets, not that good. I didn't say they weren't good. I just weren't a big fan. I would watch them before, basically on YTV, because they came on before. You can't do that on television, so that's why I'd watch them. But it was like it's time more like filling my time before watching. Time to you know, what I can't do on television. But either way, you have to tell. You, you have to agree with me. The game sucked. Like, try it for yourself if you want to hurt yourself. Whenever I see the high-tech expressions logo, because they also did the Mega Man DOS games, which are infamous mm-hmm. for being oh, God. complete trash. Yeah, I get, like, PTSD. So tell me what the worst <laughs> game is that you've got and had to be your hand. Like, oh, I, thank you for Donkey Kong math, Grandma. <sighs> like, that kind of thing. The um, I, I didn't get many video games um, for the holidays, and so I tended to be very uh, intentional about the games I asked for, uh, which Good meant idea. that I rarely got a lemon, honestly. Um, actually one of the 
my aunt was the one who would usually get me games and she could be a little hit and miss. Like she got me Batman. And, That's uh, good. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, The Manhattan mm-hmm. Project. Two, also mm-hmm. great. Two very good NES games, IMO. She also got me Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, for the NES, which was not a good game. I, uh, I played through it in its entirety, and I finished it multiple times, actually. Uh, I, I did that stupid Holy Grail sliding puzzle while the fire was coming. Uh, I did the, the top-down motorcycle chase with the Nazis. Fair credit to them. They actually did retell the story and uh, showed cutscenes from the movie and everything of like indie doing things. Um, you had to do fisticuffs on the on the tank while the treads were going and you could fall sure. off the tank and probably die. That was really rough. And then at the end of the game, after you got through all of the puzzles, um, you had to choose the right grail. And if you mm. didn't do that stupid sliding puzzle in Venice properly, probably you'd pick the wrong grail. You would think, oh, I'll just pick the one that's really plain. But no, that's not how it is, actually. You'd Wait, see. what? They yeah, changed no. that part? It's randomized. It's randomized. What? Oh, so Jesus God. drank out of a golden cup? Yeah. The last supper? Okay. That's his style. <laughs> it's a little bit. And then if you drink out of the wrong cup, it's game over, baby. That's it's like you lose. They randomized the grail. They randomized, <laughs> the grail. randomized the grail. The whole point of the holy grail. Damn. So I'm picturing like like indie getting to that part and and being like, now this part's RNG, but we nipped it back at the whole puzzle. We know um, the we, we know the seed. We're all right. <laughs> Jesus knows the seed. <laughs> the monster seed. <laughs> no, no. We can't I, uh, go back to that. I think there are two. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so over. <laughs> I'm very loopy right now. Um, <laughs> I think there were two Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade games, actually. And uh, they were both bad, if I recall correctly. And maybe one is rarer than the other. And I think I had the rare one. Oh, that's cool. Um, you should sell it. It wasn't. Uh, it, it did not have a a deep production run, but yeah. So that was that was probably the worst video game I ever got as a gift. How about you, Eric? Um, I I was trying to think because, like I've said before, my dad's a, a gamer and usually would either do his research or would default to me and my brother. Although there were times when I would try to get games that he then like caught on because, like, when I was. I think like 11 or 12 was when devil may cry came out and I really wanted devil may cry. And he was like, no, nah, that's an M rated game. I'm not buying that. Oh, no. Uh, so miss that one. Uh, my first M rated game. Fun fact was mass effect. Uh, oh, I had to, hey. my mom had to come with me to the store so I could buy mass. Oh, effect. He wants to see the aliens having sex. Can you help us? Yeah, no, I was, I was very worried that she would see the, the news pieces that were going around about alien sex in that game. So, <laughs> Thank God uh, the Today Show did not cover that. But uh, the worst game I probably got was every once in a while, you know, when my parents would buy us the consoles, when they first bought them for us, they would usually like, you know, get some of the games. Again, my dad's super good about like bag. He he would go up to the store clerks and be like, if you were buying this, what would you buy for it? And so he actually got us onto a lot of cool stuff like cool borders and and all that when i got my first game boy it came with Link's awakening which the store clerk he said recommended it to him and and thank you dad you started a lifelong 
uh, Zelda love out, out of that. But he did when we got the GameCube uh, by Spy Hunter, like the oh. Spy Hunter reboot. Oh, my for God. The GameCube. Yeah, because because he was like. I Spy loved Hunter. Spy Hunter yeah, on, on the arcades. Like, you know, my, my dad loved arcades. Um, and so we were like, okay, Spy Hunter. And I remember sitting there with him playing it. We were both like, I think this game is bad. <laughs> this, was that this, one of the serious ones? Like game. where they redid Narc and it was like, oh, I'm a drug addict who's recovering. And it, this is my terrible story. I don't even story. remember what the story of it was. I just remember that you're driving the Spy Hunter car and it looks like Need for Speed. Uh, and it's just like <laughs> it's just a really bad driving game where sometimes you get to like use funny tools and stuff. But it's so it was so bad and it ran terribly. I just remember like it wasn't fun to play at all. Like even the original Spy Hunter game is better than the this reboot or whatever. Right, right. And that was the funny part was we found the way to unlock the spy hunter original in that game and that was what we played instead so yeah spy hunter is my answer len how about you what was the worst game you ever got as a gift yeah so this is it's kind of a love hate honestly a very similar situation to what eric was describing where like well, my parents are absolutely not gamers so if they mm -hmm. were gonna buy games they were just gonna ask the person it mm -hmm. uh like uh, shout out to best target. buy clerks yeah, yeah target or whatever like what should i buy so we begged and begged and begged for a Nintendo 64. I have three siblings. I got them all on board. This was a coordinated effort. We mm -hmm, had never mm -hmm. actually owned a console in our home. We'd go play, you know, SNES or Genesis or whatever at friends' houses. But um, and after like two years of begging, we finally they got us an N64 for Christmas and it came with two games. Um, one was Diddy Kong Racing, which absolutely slaps. Yo, of course. It's yeah. the better choice. It's, it's Mario Kart with a story mode. If one of those franchises could have survived, I'd rather it had been Diddy Kong. Yeah. DKR is better than Mario Kart 64. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh -huh. well, Mario Kart 64 uh, is one of the weakest Mario Karts. So that's not hard. Yeah. Well, and then the other, but the other one was uh, Quest 64. No. Which, no. Yeah. no. You can be Honestly, in our Pantheon episode for Quest here's 64. The, here's the thing. I have really fond memories of that game and i only found out later that it was like critically panned at the time it came out because i didn't know any better i was a kid yeah, i was like that's cool i'm like a little wizard guy with a little hair flippy thingy and running around and fighting monsters and the main bad guy was was mammon i think it might have been like a, a criticism of capitalism maybe i don't know oh hell yeah <laughs> i didn't pick up on the subtext at the time capitalism um, 64 yeah, and and so I don't think it holds up, but I still have fond memories of it, even though, you know, if I went back to it today, I'd probably be like, yeah, this game's bad. This game sucks. But, <laughs> this game sucks, actually. Yeah. In hindsight, pretty bad. We started a small fight in the Discord, by the way, over our take that uh, not just that DKR is better than 64, which I think everyone agrees on, but people are apparently shocked to realize that Mario Kart 64 is a bad Mario Kart. It is a bad Mario it Kart. It's not the greatest. I've played a lot of Mario Karts, and I would much rather play eight. I mean, eight, obviously. I but would like rather Mario play Kart any Mario Kart, Mario Kart Wii DS. DS is great. DS, DS is a really good one. It's my one. favorite. Mario Kart, yeah. uh, Mario Kart 8 is the best one. Followed by Mario Kart DS or Mario Kart Double Dash, I would argue. Double then, Dash is fun. I do like yeah, Double Dash. Yeah, and then Mario Kart DS, and then Mario Kart Wii U, and then uh, 
Mario Kart 64 is kind of down there. I I don't love the original Mario Kart either or Mario Kart GBA, but uh, yeah, I've Mario never Kart 64. GBA. I did so. play a lot of Mario Kart 64. I will say that much, and I had a great time. Best battle mode, maybe. Oh, yeah, the battle mode's good. It just like DKR was the better kart race. Also, yeah, Chocobo Racing, an underrated kart racer, and and Crash Team Racing. Like we, we were not hurting for good kart racers at that time, but I think Mario Kart just kind of won out because it was the Mario game. But there were a lot of good kart racers back then. A lot of snaking discourse in this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. And that's it for this week's episode of Axel Bugod. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hey, I made it. But wait, I'm not done yet because we're going to be doing Blood God After Dark or Blood God After Coffee coming up soon (laughs) with the post show. Joining us will be our Stars of Destiny. So please look forward uh, to that. And thank you so much to our Stars of Destiny for a lively morning conversation and also for their generous support. Uh, Something that's cool, we're working on a lot of merch right now. Acts of the Blood God uh, got multiple stuff in the works. We're working on a brand new store. Pins are finally happening. We had a little hang up with uh, with artists, but it's all happening now. Very excited. Very excited to look ahead to twenty uh, twenty three. In fact, yes. uh, Nadia, Eric, and I are going to get together right after this podcast and talk about what the shape of that is going to look like. We have a lot of ideas, including uh, going to Pax East. So. Um, Wow. So we're going to be kind of winding down for the year. We're going to be taking a big look back. This is a, this is one part of that. Um, and yeah, we are so grateful to everybody for following us over the past uh, couple of years. Got a, got a big, big final month looking ahead. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. In the meantime, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at CMoosey. And Len, you can follow Len on Three Moves Ahead, a great, excellent podcast about tactics games. If you enjoyed our tactics discussion, well, they do it all the time. High-level strategy, grand strategy, tactics, you name it. And they did a Marvel Snap episode that I didn't get to be on. I really wanted to be on that one. Um, We will be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, Len, and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.